0: You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel is all about encouraging men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to opening up discussions that most men aren't having. But you certainly don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel podcast is produced live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. You can find more information about the Real Men Feel movement at realmenfeel.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmanfeel.org. This is a weekly program and your comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in the Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmanfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello and welcome to... uh... (laughs) blackout central (laughs) welcome to real men feel i'm your host andy grant this is episode 69 and uh we're gonna we're gonna do kind of one of our open shows we've invited people to just come in and be a part of the show and and share what they think and we're really gonna you know in the wake of the las vegas massacre uh that big shooting and the loss of over 50 58 lives and hundreds injured and I wanted, we wanted to look at male violence and just talk about it. You know, there's not a political agenda. There, there, we're, I'm, you know, it's, it's sharing our opinions. I, we are not a news program. Um, we're going to be sharing what we think and feel about things. So I've intentionally not researched things. I'm not going to give you numbers and stats and psychology. I'm going to give you what I think. And the people that are joining us tonight will give what they think and feel as well. Um, one thing before we really dive in. I'm intentionally not using the shooter's name. I'm just going to say the shooter. And that's because it's something that I, uh, growing up, suicidal depressed, um, prone to the possibility of violence. I was aware of how the, the shooters would become famous. So it's just my little part to not add um, to the level of fame for, for being a mass murderer. So I'm not going to use the gentleman's name at all. Um, So with that, uh, digression (laughs) let me welcome as always my friend and co-host mr apio hunter
1: hey andy it's good to be here as always
0: cool 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 and uh we the the show is open to anyone that can join us and people will join in as we're going um but we already have with us uh an, an old friend of the show uh been a guest a number of times last year but pete casaboon is here with us
2: speak pete how are you doing tonight? Everybody good?
0: <laughs> yeah, great. We're good. <laughs> Initially, Pete waved. So, sometimes this this goes out as a podcast and a video. So, some, some listeners are only listening. Some people are watching. Some people are doing both. So, <laughs> Pete waved. That's I why I said, Pete, running. speak up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, let's see. Uh, I've got a number of articles I share with, with the, the gentlemen that are here already. And you know, in, in the in the wake of the violence, when the news first hit, the first thought I had was, I hope he's white. Because I didn't want another, oh my God, another, you know, uh, person of color, a person affiliated with something to just take to a whole nother uh, plateau and, and become politicized and be another just division. I'd like, I hope it's just a crazy white person. And that prompted the discovery of the, the first article I'd I, I found, which was about white privilege. And the, the jump to the conclusion that, oh, a white person is just crazy. A, a white shooter is just the lone wolf. We don't jump to that notion of terrorism, you know, and, and in the world of violence, a white male doesn't stand for all white males. Right, in the, in the, in the last election, there was a lot of talk about using you know, radical Islamic terrorism. I've never heard of radical white terrorism or radical white Christian terror. You know, they just, the term isn't everywhere. So, um, so I just wonder, Apio Peep, what, you know, what, what were your first thoughts when you heard the news of, of the shooting? What, came, what showed up for you guys?
2: Um, you know, I think that people have, re- I think it's a, a couple of things came to mind. Number one, that uh, a lot of these sort of uh, fringe people, I'm going to say fringe because I'm not going to believe it's the majority, have really felt like they've been given a permission slip uh, to really be able to uh, have these different radical uh, radical actions that they've taken, uh, and, I, and I, but I think it comes from a core feeling of not being heard. I think it's I think it's a way for uh, these you know, privileged white men. I I, I think it's kind of like with my with my job. It's so focused upon success as defined by corporate America. And I think what's happening for men, because there's a study that's been done where it says that you know the, the returns, as far as happiness is concerned with, stops at around 70 or $80,000 a year. And yet we have this whole drive in America of making more and more and more and more. And I think what's happening to men, especially at my age, is that you get to that point of where you're making that and you're realizing that more money is not bringing you happiness. It's not bringing you success. It's not bringing you that what is supposed to have brought you, what we were told, you know, we were told once we got to this, this point, you know, we would feel even more powerful and happier and peaceful and be able to do so much more. And yet there's this whole feeling of emptiness and now your whole life is absolutely Wrapped around this this corporate idea of I've just got to work harder and I've got to get more sales and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and it's just it, it, it's just you know that that this cycle of, of keep doing more and more and more and, and yet feeling less and less connected and less and less um, really joyful about it and less and less really successful in the long term sense of it and so I think it's a it's a way for it's almost like a, a release valve. Uh, in a way for some of these, you know, people, because uh, the, the shooter, you know, <laughs> uh, from what I understand had money, you know, and, and was successful to a point as far as what we term as success in the Western civilization. And I think he was just in his own way seeking more, not that I'm giving him any kind of a permission slip, but I, I think for him in his mind, you know, because I, I think that's the only way we can really go forward. We can't just sit there and just like throw darts at something like that. We have to, in some way, get a sense of what was going on in his brain so that we can then, we can then uh, find the um, the starter pieces for others that might be kind of following in that same path, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I agree with everything that you said, and a lot of what you said also touches on a couple of the other articles, content, and some of the other two articles that we'll be talking about tonight as well. But no, for me, when I first heard it, I, I honestly was in shock. I was in shock and my first knee-jerk reaction was, here we go again. Hmm. Here we go again, we haven't learned anything. If anything, we're becoming so deadened to the the cycle of violence and mass shootings and everything else. It's like, at what point, at what point are we going to say collectively enough, enough? And I know there's been all kinds of speculation about, uh, about I know the shooter and his background and everything else. Everybody's just grasping at straws. You know, it doesn't matter what part of the political spectrum you're on, it doesn't matter what narrative that you subscribe to or anything. Everybody has been trying to grasp at straws. And while I agree with what was you know said about the fact that white privilege does protect, you know, white men. Particularly wealthy white men, because you know our society, American society, is especially um, celebrates success. You know that material success. You know the net worth, etc., etc., etc. And yet, the people who are feeling the greatest amount of anger, the people who are lashing out the most, the ones who are responsible for for electing a, a you know an individual who has the emotional intelligence of a, of a spoiled four year old. Uh, you know they're the ones who are hurting the most, and they think that you know these are people who represent their points of view and represent their their anger. When in fact, uh, they're just think, caring about themselves, and so they continue to be ignored. They continue to be not heard. Now, you know, being somebody who's you know being somebody who's tuned in the way that I am. Um, I'm just going to I'm just going to go right out on a limb and say the impression that I've been getting as far as what the motivations were, and I, I I've been reluctant to speak it, but I'm also getting a very strong urge to go ahead and just say it. Uh, the impression that I'm getting is that this is an individual who did in fact feel disenfranchised from the entire system, but not from in the way that you would think. Was he angry? Yes. Was he hurting? Yes. Was he emotionally damaged? Yes. But this was somebody who chose to attack a group who typically is very, very pro-gun, pro-everything that, you know, that the NRA stands for. As if to say, you really are, are so blind to the pain that's being inflicted on everybody else. Let you Feel the same pain. I want you to feel the same pain that so many other people feel so you can wake up to what's really going on. Again, that's just the impression I get.
0: Yeah, there's a this there's, there's a knee-jerk thing, and you know, the Republicans seem to say, Oh, now's not the time to talk about gun control, and of course now's the time to talk about gun control, but I think it, I think it's a cop-out to say that guns are the problem because mm-hmm. sure, if he had, if, if the bump stock didn't exist, would fewer bullets have been fired? Yes. Would people have still died? Yep. So it's almost just a, a, a numbers game. Um, but, and, and I never really got until recently. Of, of, and so I, I, I'm in Massachusetts. This is where I grew up. Guns are not easy to get. I did not grow up in, in a house with guns. I don't have access to guns. I, even, I don't think I've shot a gun since I was in my early 20s, but I get that it is such, um, again, we're talking about symbols of the flag and national anthem and the NFL, the symbol of gun ownership is so tied to American freedom. And the, you know, the, the argument that I've heard politicians say that, well, these mass shootings are the price we pay for being free people. And that just horrifies me that, oh, the price of freedom is being shot when you go out in public. That's, that's not freedom really. But, But anyway, it's the, you know, the the NRA and the really the gun groups that they they give the slippery slope fear and and it's all fear. Well, Mm -hmm. if you ban that, then the next thing the government is coming to take my guns. And so it's almost like fear is driving any sort of reasonable control or changes in in gun laws. And that same fear is driving this white male violence, right? I'm in fear Mm -hmm. of something, I'm gonna blame you. I'm I'm in fear of how bad I feel how isolated I am, all the things I can't even say out loud that, that lead me to violence and to, to inflict pain on others. So as you said up, you so that other people feel the pain that I'm in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So uh, yeah. it's, it's beyond like, you know, I, I don't think this is something we can, that can be legislated. This goes much deeper and that's why I to have the conversation. It's, it's way beyond being pro or yeah. or anti gun control or new laws
2: right mm-hmm. and I speak to, I think it speaks to this whole uh, sort of like theme I'm, I'm really starting to get a sense of here uh, well I have been for a few years but really really it's come to come to fruition I must say since Trump has been in office and that's where I see people being really put into like these separate little boxes like the unity of our country in the world at large, we're being put into these separate little slices, like, you know, I'm LGBTQ, and then, you know, you're straight white male, and you're, you're, you're black female, whatever you are, you know what I mean? And it's like, instead of us finding the commonalities between us, you know, we're really, you know, being divided along these different lines. And um, I think it is sort of, it probably can be very frustrating for a uh, a successful white male to find what is my cause, what is you know where is my root of pain coming from? I mean, you, you can if you've been kind of a a part of the sector of of, of society that has been um, has not had all the advantages, then there's it's very easy to pinpoint this is why this is where my source of pain comes through. But I, I imagine it, that's why it it it's very surprising when this happens. You know, when when a successful a white male whether they're successful or not but when a white male does this uh it it can be just kind of shocking to the world because you're like you know what is it what is your theme what is it that you're really kind of rallying against because we see in others it seems to be um it it can be for a cause or it can be uh their own way of becoming more successful you know like when they do you know gang violence or something like that that's their that's their way to become successful in, in in the the type of society that they that they live in, or if you see like something with um, radical Islam- Islamists, that's because they're trying to be more successful in that society that they're in. So <laughs> it really does seem to be kind of chaotic as far as what is the real the real you know what is it that you are? How do you express how you feel? Uh, kind of closeted or, or left out? I guess that's even yeah. I, I want my asking
0: class. these questions. Asking these questions is even. I'm seeing it as a sign of privilege, like. Uh, all right, I'm, I'm a white man. I'm inherently a racist because I only have my white experience. Right? I can empathize and I can intellectualize, and, you know, but I'm still – it's my best guess at how someone else is feeling, right? right. But as, so as we're trying to go, oh, I, I, I just think we'd all be acting differently if it wasn't a white shooter. Not, not consciously, but it, it's just mm-hmm. part of that privilege, part of that, the, the society that we're in in that where, well, what was his pain? Oh, and it's and I think another cop-out, not just say it's a gun issue, another cop-out is to go, oh, he's just crazy. But, oh, it's a white guy? Oh, he, he must've, he was sick, that poor sick man. What, what, what was his pain? Right. And I just, you know, uh, black, brown, anything else, a different the entire
1: group ends up, yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. yeah. So it's, it's interesting that even in our attempt to open it up, I'm like seeing our, our own viewpoints that we, we have by, you know, being who we are.
1: Yeah, we're all um, white men.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah finished, but yeah, I mean, that was like, I've never, know, a Muslim shooter, a, a, a black shooter, any crime. It, it's never been, oh, he. you know, he's just a sick man. He's obviously, that guy's Chris crazy. It, it, it's only a, a white man that gets that presumption of being so out of the norm as mm-hmm. opposed to symbolizing something bigger.
1: An entire group, exactly, yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. By the way, Pete, you left out two letters from the LGBTQ. There's also oh. IA now as
0: well. Yeah.
2: Nice.
1: <laughs> I just had to point that out.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so one big thing, in, in this, um, and, let, let, and let me mention, I'm going to, uh, these articles that we're mentioning will be in the show notes at realmenfeel.org slash blog. But um, the first one was called the, the, White Privil- the White Privilege of the Lone Wolf Shorter by Sean King. Uh, another article I found was just Thoughts on Vegas and Why Men Keep Doing This by Charlie Hone. And, you know, he talked about how men in the United States are just chronically lonely. Yeah. And we talked about that, the isolation, the feeling alone. And a lot of men think they have friends and they get buddies and, you you know, you pal around and you drink beers and you watch football. But many men, most men don't have the level of relationship where they can share their pain, share mm-hmm. some feelings. Uh you know, the article talks about, can, can you hug your buddies without going, you know, not a homo, <laughs> right? And develop that tension. Can you be yourself? Um, it, that's part of the, the foundation of real men feel. So many men are trained, are taught, are brought up believing, and still are trapped in the belief that, you know, real men are strong. Real men are isolated, uh, real men don't cry. Real men don't have emotions beyond anger, and real men are violent. Real men solve problems with their fists. Real men own guns. You know, re- real men will be quick on the draw and shoot you down if you piss me off. Like all of those things, and it's it's loneliness feeds into that. And it, again, it's just like how guns are so part of freedom. This, again, this distorted of the the strong American male is inherent in what makes. The strong American male be a mask, and they were really weak, scared, and lonely.
1: Now, there's something I really have to add to that, and that is, even men who are the strong you know, heterosexual male who's married, who has you know, his, his wife that he can go to to you know, talk about his feelings because you know, culturally it's unacceptable to, for guys to talk about their feelings and open up to each other, even then there is a block. Even then there's a certain restriction because being completely open and honest with your feelings is something that women do with each other. But even a guy has somewhat restricted in being able to really truly open up, even within an amazing, solid marriage or relationship, whether it is your wife, your girlfriend, your significant other or whatever, there is still that expectation that you can't be fully, completely, authentically open with that individual who with whom you share your life. And so that just... Compounds those feelings of isolation, and I was just having a conversation with a colleague of mine at work. You know, I'm I'm one of the few non millennials at the company that I work at, and it's amazing to be among such an such an amazing group of individuals, and, and and to me, to an extent, an enlightened generation, and we were talking about his desire to work with men in their 50s basically our generation and older who are who are indeed Facing those feelings of isolation, the the lack of intimate relationships, and we're not talking about intimate in the form of sexual relationships. We're talking about emotionally intimate relationships. Yeah, you can go and powwow with your buddies. You can go and, and shoot a few rounds of golf. You can you know have drinks every night. Have you know have go have each other over for barbecues and have the families mixed together and all that stuff. But when it comes down to just being able to be emotionally Open, emotionally vulnerable. There's no permission there. And I, and I think from outside. Yeah, go ahead,
2: Pete. I say I think that also opens up Apio really kind of the the doorway to uh, addictions. You know, whether it's like mm-hmm. uh, uh, men, you know, drinking or uh, having lots of sex, especially the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Or because uh, that's that's one thing. It's always kind of uh, I've always thought profoundly. You know, when I was single, I mean, I was very much looking for that partner, and I found out that as i was in that dating world the others were simply looking for physical connection that would that would meet and then go away there was no really there was like a fear of intimacy even even in that crowd and and i i but i, I really see how i think men or possibly even women probably too are you know feeding uh they're they're finding substitutes for that intimacy you know like through shopping or um you know or shooting guns or uh, you know or, or drinking or whatever it might be and, and we're and, and I think that really is a, a key component that's that's really missing it, it I was reading over those articles you you'd sent us Andy one thing that kept coming through was that lone wolf uh, idea, you know, and, and um, I'm wondering what, what is y'all what are y'all's takes uh, on the idea of like the warrior spirit and how that's you know that that idea of the warrior and us being conquerors, do you think that plays into this at all? Any kind of like a fantasy role that we might be trying to re- reinstigate for ourselves? I mean, this is just,
0: every archetype has a healthy version and a distorted, destructive version. <laughs> so, you know, yes, a man can be a warrior and a protector. But the, the crowd at that concert was full of authentic male warriors, mm. helping people, helping the wounded, getting people to safety, uh, putting themselves in harm's way. So uh, this incident is an example of distorted and healthy warriors.
2: Nice. It, it, that, that calls to mind something. It's, it's really interesting. I was talking to um I was talking to somebody at one of my at my church, and I was talking to them about uh about bringing in uh, more of a a male energy because when I first started in my spiritual walk, uh, I started really adopting this more of this like feminine energy, a very softness and comforting, and, and then. That there was like this polar shift in my spirituality about a year ago. I started entering this more of this masculine, this like male energy. It was really interesting to me because this lady said to me, she said, we don't need male energy, especially in spirituality, because that's, that's, the, that's the one that brings in warfare and that brings in, you know, harm and brings in aggression. And I thought, isn't that interesting that that's the only side of maleness that some people can see? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's part of it too. Maybe it's because society has – has you made the male energy uh, only mean that, only mean conquering and aggression and and fighting, you know, rather than protecting, you know, and and helping with survival and and being and, and providing like you know sustenance or a home or warmth, you know, that, that can then be you know conveyed by the by the feminine energy, you know, there is that that idea of the of the um, uh, what's what's it called? It's the divine masculine energy. Right, that, that sort of like pairs with the divine feminine energy. And I think it's really interesting that, that we really have it. Mean, we've done a lot of work here, I think, recently, really discovering what the divine feminine is. But have we done any work at all, really, on discovering what the divine masculine is? Do you yeah, think? I, I, love, I love you
1: bringing that up. And, I, and that comment, she said, we don't need that male energy. I would beg to differ. I would, I would say that we need the male energy, especially the divine male energy. We need the female, both the terrestrial as well as the divine female. We need it all. We even need people who are at the extremes of ideology. We need all of it. We need each other. We are not disconnected from each other in any way, shape, or form. And the only way to get through any of this is to recognize the need that each of us has to belong, to be connected. Mm -hmm. Rather than speaking at each other or even speaking with each other, I'll even take that trope and throw it out the window as well and just say, we just need each other. Mm -hmm. And and if we can each feel like we belong in some way, shape or form we're not being ignored, then we don't need laws to ban this or ban that. We don't need to exclude anyone at all. You know, this whole business is that you know, I can only feel like I belong if I exclude this or that or whatever. That's all bullshit.
0: One, one other anyone. point made um, in that second art from Charlie Hohen is that men in the United States are very deprived of play. Mm. And mm-hmm. as kids, we naturally play and have connection. And yeah, as an adult, especially as an adult male, no, you lose play or shooting guns, collecting guns is your play, or you know, being a high stakes gambler is your play, but again, that's isolating, right? So many, and, and, or you, you, know, drugs, alcohol, sex, addictions are the male, uh, the, the current male's attempt to play. Right. But it isn't fun, it, it it's, adds disconnect. Um, I'm actually reading a book, I got turned onto this by my wife, uh, An Indigenous People's History of the United States. I didn't realize I started reading it on Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day, but uh, it's, it's been really eye-opening and, and amazing. It's all the history that you weren't taught in school um, and just how, how advanced the Native American civilization was pre-Columbus, pre-Revolutionary War, but just they had governments and constitutions and trade routes and roads, and they farmed the forests. they cultivated, uh, corn, well, I didn't, uh, corn does not grow naturally. Corn does not grow without man's in, in involvement. I, I did not know that. So l- learning something. But uh, one of the things that gave me chills was that it's all about the, the pioneer man. And, and again, this helped me realize how, how guns are tied to our notion of freedom. And that's what they're never gonna go away because it's too much ingrained in the DNA of an American male. But the essential white American male in their soul is a killer. That's the, the last line I read in this book. And I was like, that just gave me chills. And ah, so that warrior sense that like this country was founded, people at the bleeding edge of the frontier, slaughtering people, men, women, and children. It, it, genocide is here and guerrilla warfare has been here since day one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's really, uh, it's just been very eye-opening. I re- recommend the book if that's a subject matter you ever want to get into. Because um, reading this isn't play, but if I talk about it, maybe that's my play.
2: That's interesting. I was thinking about uh, on the the way home before this show, I was kind of thinking about the idea of how the legends of the stories of the past we kind of are building upon and aren't we at a very interesting point in history right now where we're actually starting to take off the lid on those stories and those tales that we've been told that we've believed for so long and just kind of run with, you know, Christopher Columbus or when we were younger, maybe Santa Claus or whatever it was. And we're actually finding out the, the true, uh, the, the, the whole rainbow of actually what happened there. You know, we, we tend to, I, I know I've been sort of like a history buff and it's been interesting how, you know, when you learn one side of history and then maybe you go back and you start researching it you start seeing that, you know, there's just so many other flavors to it. Like for instance, I mean, it was, it was, it was something I reminded of just the other day that, uh, there were black people that owned slaves you know, back in back before the Civil War, and, and things like that that you just you don't even really know about. And and um, someone was opening up my eyes to the fact that uh, most of the uh, the African American slaves were not actually African, that they actually were here already, and we enslaved them while they were here. And just, just all these things that we're really kind of learning, I think it's just fascinating. A very interesting time that we're in, where we're trying to you know, remake our stories, remake our basis of who we are and who we are as a people. Uh, so I think we have the opportunity. It's almost like we're taking the puzzle, we're throwing it up in the air. And now we have the opportunity, if we can, to catch the right pieces and put them back in the right way so that we can create a society that's that's really moving forward. And I think we're also at a very interesting time, you know, because we're coming up on a time, If you if you read like the thought leaders of For Tomorrow, the futurists, they're talking about the concepts of like that there really will be no more want. I mean, we're, we have 3d printers and we have, you know, we have all this technology that's just about to actually explode to where we're going to have every material want available anywhere in the world. And it's really going to be at no cost. So even what is our concept of money going to be like, what's our concept of work going to be like, you know, because is being taken over by machines. We're basically all going to end up being designers. That's all we're, you know. I mean, because c- we're going to just like, you know, design what we want, and the machine's going to build it for us. And they, they have a machine now that builds a, a building, like a like a five story building, it's being three D printed. I mean, just so I, I just I, I I guess my mind gets kind of boggled right now when I think of the, this crux of history. Where, and I think that's a lot of the pressure as well. I, I because you know who are we as people, you know, for no longer having to. Build the road, or or cook the cook the food, or whatever it is we do as a, as a people. The actual work that we do that that so many men have gotten their um, their feeling of accomplishment through. You know, I mean that's that's a, this is a very interesting time. So, and so
0: here's a question: Are are men innately violent? So, if we have freedom from work, will there be more violence? Right?
1: <laughs> no. I can emphatically say that, no, men are not innately violent. Human beings are not innately violent. I believe that we learned that, but I do not think that we are innately violent at all. I believe that what happens is that when we, uh, when our emotional development becomes arrested in some form or another, then the, we start to lash out in one way or another. The quote-unquote warrior cultures, they needed to take the young boys and teach them to be violent. They needed to teach them to be warriors, whether it was in Sparta or whether it was in, in uh, samurai times or whether it is now in Africa where they kidnap young boys as young as five or six years old and teach them to be murderers, they need to be taught that. And, you know, it's, and Laurie asks a good question in the, in the you know, Do we think is this the struggle of the white male? Are they losing the dominion? I, I personally believe that, yes, that is the case. As, you know, when any group feels threatened, like their, their dominance is somehow threatened, any cornered animal or whatever is going to lash out. Um, but I'd like to add a couple of other things that both of you brought up when, when that I just want to touch on really quick. First of all, Pete, you mentioned something uh, uh, that made me think about letting go of the needs to be right. You know, if we're always, you know, when we're talking about history and the history that we knew and suddenly that when the history that we knew, that we grew up with, that we learned in school and that we held to be so dear suddenly is being challenged, we don't like it because we need to be right about it. It has to be right. And if we can learn to let go of the needs to be right and to just accept whatever comes along, that helps to mitigate it. And then, as far as the play is concerned, I do want to bring something up with regard to play because all too often, men in our society have, have this idea that you know play as kids you know, needs to be with no trucks you know trucks or, you know, you know gender specific types of toys or whatever. And then as adults, men. Their form of play is usually in the form of sports. I'd like to toss something else out there as far as I thought is concerned, that play can be anything that is creative, whether it is finding you know, the perfect fantasy football league, the perfect players for your fantasy football team, or whether it is painting, or whether it is any endeavor that allows us to fully express ourselves. That can be a form of play. It doesn't have to be just sports. It can be so, anything. So can some
0: be of anything. those examples of play mm-hmm. are, are isolating. Yeah, so, they so can how, be. The, which I re- with the, the article, and, I, and I'll share all these articles so, so people listening and watching later can, can read all these as well. It talked mm-hmm. about the need for like rough and tumble play.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: oh Being touched and, you know, still even as, as an adult. And, you know, imagine if you took your trucks or your dolls and went to the sandbox with another 45-year-old male. And I'm like, you again, <laughs> right? but how much
1: fun might you have? How much better <laughs> might you feel? Sure, but they can also be collaborative. I'll use the will use the example of people being able to get together and, you know, for instance, a, 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 an artists' co-op. Oftentimes, they may, they may work in isolation, but at the same time, they come together in those creative endeavors. Collaboration, you know, in a creative environment can be one of the best forms of play because we're exercising our bodies and our minds. Same thing with sports, team sports especially. So, so there's so many different forms, and if we can expand our definition of what it means to play, both individually and collectively, yeah, so... Anyway, back to the chat. <laughs> and Lori's <laughs> well, and, and questions, because I went off on a real tangent there, but I just kind of like had to get it out because it was like first thing at the scenes. Um, you know, white men losing their supremacy. If fear kicks in, they'll be like everybody else, that not better than, and again, that's that talks about that narrative, threatening the narrative that has been held I, so precious.
2: I think what's happening in there, I, I absolutely agree in, in some sense, Lori, in that um, I can see that happening with a certain... Um, a certain uh, click or or a um, uh, percentage of male, of white males that are doing that, and I think what's happening is this energy is being created, and at the very fringe of these uh, of these energies, you're getting like the you know the, the shooter in in Las Vegas that that's the way he's expressing that. So I, that's probably not their initial aim, but that's absolutely a consequence of it. And I mean, I don't know that they ever would, but I would be amazing if, if the, the ones that are generating, honestly, put out for me, I, I see it in, in Trump's administration, him doing it. Um, if, if they would, if they could actually come to terms with the role that they're playing in that, uh, which absolutely makes me think of, you know, if you, if you notice something out in the world, that means that they're, you're noticing something in yourself. So now I have to ask the question, because the only thing I can change is me. What is the role I'm playing in that? I think, kind of, Andy, that's possibly, and, and IPO, maybe that's possibly the central idea in this whole, uh, in our discussion right now, mm-hmm. is for each one of us to reflect back and see, you know, what am I contributing to this space? I mean, I, I'm not in Man- I've never been to Las Vegas, and I don't even know where Mandalay Bay is, and I don't own a gun, but you know, I'm certainly, I've done something to contribute to this in some way because I'm noticing it. So, I want your thoughts on that. Hmm. <laughs> well
1: I completely agree with what you're saying is that ultimately it starts with us It starts Mm -hmm. with the individual and I've been thinking that all along and what's happening is that there everything that's going on in the world is really kind of feeding into our focus on fear our focus of loss our focus on I am going to somehow lose out and if I lose out no it's FOMO taking to an extreme and Part of what we can do as humanity, as men, to truly awaken, and I'm not talking about awakening in a new-agey, woo-woo type of sense or whatever, just awaken to ourselves as human beings, full and complete human beings is to be okay with letting go of that need to be right, that need for that narrative, and that nothing, everything is sacred and yet nothing is sacred. If we can let go, we're going to find that, you know, because control is an illusion. And if we can let go of that illusion, we're going to find out that we're going to be even in even more control if we allow ourselves to go with whatever is happening. And we can give ourselves permission as human beings. It's like, this is my truth, and this is right for me. But I don't care if you don't believe it's right for you. I am right for me in this particular moment, and that's it. I'm not going to try to foist it and force it on anybody else.
0: I love you added that this particular moment. So that's yes, in this moment. This is right for me. And tomorrow, (laughs) something else might be right for me. And that takes a different level of courage and bravery than the traditional, isolated, strong American man. Right? I I don't think, I have never been able to do this, but if I'm feeling nothing but fear and anger, I'm more attached to being right, right? I Mm -hmm. I can't grow, I can't let down a mask, can't break out of a shell. I, I can't see someone else's point of view. I'm so afraid. Of, of feeling more hurt, of feeling more isolated, or however bad I feel, I'm so afraid that this is what my life is now, and I gotta blame someone, and I'm blaming me a lot, but I'm, I am also wanna act out, so I blame others, and that begets violence and bigotry and, and all the isms that are out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll add one more thing to that. It's also our societal conditioning. Into this illusion that everything comes from outside of us—that joy, joyous living, um, satisfaction, success, whatever comes from outside—and you know it, it may sound cliche because a lot of you know in a lot of you know personal development circles and elsewhere they talk about it comes from you, happiness comes from you. Well, yes, it's true, but I'd love to be able to express it in a way that really connects with the fearful, angry male. And let them know, hey, you know what? Yes, you're absolutely right, Lori. Blame is easier. It's easier to put it on somebody else, to look outside of us, than to take responsibility for ourselves. And to say, oh crap, maybe I did create this. Maybe this situation is a reflection of what's going on in me.
2: I think, and I also see a lot of, and maybe I'm going off on a different little bit of a tangent, but I also see sort of um, a distancing or a disassociation going on for, you know, people that have have done this, the the shooter. You know, I mean, it's almost like he sees um, what he did as a game. I mean, that really was a game. He did not see those people as individuals, as human beings, as uh, part of the divine. Uh, I'm getting chills on my shoulders right now as I'm saying that. So, and I, I think that's been that's we've come to that point from a lot of things, from video games, from the from the movies that we have, uh, from the the way even um, I'm gonna put it again out out there with with Trump and the politics now, where we don't give a frig if people don't have health care. And I mean, just the the, made, the statements that are being made that. Um, you know, people dying in the streets from not having health care is a part of American free society. And it's just, I, you deserve it. it. Yeah, Somehow yeah.
1: You deserve it. You brought it upon yourself. Yeah. Mm.
2: It's just, it's just kind of blowing my mind of where, where is the humanity? Yeah. Where, where is that, that touch of, of, you know, being able to put yourself in that person's place, being able to put yourself in that person's shoes you know what i mean and, and uh i mean my, my mind is going all i'm trying not to go vera for too many different tandits because i'm very much a Chinese girl person but i do see very much that that disassociation happening i mean that's to me that's the only way that you could physically do what happened was by not being able to really see them seeing them more as like little blips on a video game or something like that you know maybe maybe he even saw points going up every time it happened i don't even know the yeah. anger
1: was the focus, the, not, mm-hmm. the, not the people. It was the anger that was the focus. And when your anger is the focus, it's really, really, really easy to dehumanize mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Just look at what happened back in the 1930s in Germany. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's really, it's, it's the, I believe the individual, an individual mass murderer, shooter, violent person has, has given up on themselves. Yes. And and therefore, going tied into that is giving up on that. Right, I'm dehumanizing myself first, and that's what I see as others. And because it really is um, quite interesting how so many mass murders are done by people ready to kill themselves. But instead of just yeah. quietly killing myself, I want to make a big show. I want to take people with me. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, I want inflict the pain that I'm feeling. That that's the. You know the bizarre level. I mean,
2: well, it also gives them a level of significance. You know, I mean, it makes them go down in history of like, you know, I'm going to be on the TV news or something like that. And for some people, you know, we, we've lost. We've also lost that. I think we, we've lost a lot of the, the tribal um, the feeling of, of of being being seen and being heard. Perhaps. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. we you know everybody is so cookie cutter in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Your, your employee number, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And that's all you're seen as you're given the social security number and you're seen as this, this statistic rather than, you know, a living yeah. human, you know, being here on earth. Yeah.
0: One thing I want to ask you guys about too is um, I've heard some people also, you know, there's, it's, there are a couple generalizations I, I've seen in discussions and in people talking about this and in the media and in a in person uh, one is that it's just a gun issue. We've got to just lock up guns, and then there's no problem. Um, another is just calling. Well, that's just crazy. You can't prevent crazy, and th- that's all there is to it. Um, and I'm just crazy and mentally ill are different. Crazy is to, to me anyway. And I think when people talk about it, crazy just I'm not understanding. But again, in this case, and in most cases, a lot of planning. You know, the Vegas shooter planned and followed the law and was very careful. And, and so you can't just say, hey, he's a crazy guy. He snapped that weekend. No, that just doesn't hold up. No. But a third kind of common thing I see thrown out um, is that, well, that's just evil. And there's evil in the world and there's nothing you can do about it. So what what, what do you think about the notion that is he was just pure evil, and you can't do anything about that. It's
1: easy to use those terms, evil, crazy, insane, whatever, to be able to wash our hands as a society from any sort of responsibility whatsoever. It creates separation, it creates a compartmentalization, and it allows us to justify the fact that we are not taking care of each other. And it's not our responsibility to take care of each other, but it is our responsibility to include each other. Hmm. It is our responsibility to recognize each other. It is our responsibility to see each other.
2: Yeah, because I think it comes from a sense of us not wanting to recognize that shooter in ourselves. You know, if we're able to disassociate ourselves from him, like saying, oh, he is... Marginal. He is crazy. He is blah, 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 whatever we want to label it as, you know what I mean? Now he's over in this group and we're in this group. We're the good ones and he's the evil bad one, you know what I mean? But like you, even I think you were kind of mentioning earlier, you know, this is a yin and a yang, a universe, which means that, you know, if there's a good part in me, there's a bad part of me and mm-hmm. like to the universe, there is no weight of, you know, value on either one of those. It just is, yeah. you know what I mean? So um, recognizing, you know, what in him ooh this is going to trigger some people, what in him might've been good <laughs> and perhaps in ourselves, what might've been, you know, bad. And I, I'm not really sure where I'm going with that, but it's, but I, I think the first, the first part of harm is to separate him from us because then we're, you know, it's, it's a, it's that same argument where they say, oh, it's too soon for us. It's not the right time for us to talk about gun laws. Well, you know, if a bridge collapses, we don't say, oh, it's too soon to talk about the safety of bridges. You know, if, if a car blows up because, because of, of a faulty part and cause somebody ran into it, we don't say, oh, it's too soon to talk about that. You know what I mean? So it is absolutely the time to talk about it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. My gosh. How long do we go before we have another one happen? We'll never be able to talk about it, you know, because it keeps happening over and over. And it's the time. dysfunctional family that doesn't want to talk about the dysfunction.
1: Right,
0: <laughs> you mentioned that there's good in the shooter and in, in everybody does something bad. And, and I want to come with that because I think anyone that has seen the shooter's brother on TV just seemed genuinely shocked and dismayed and not seeing this coming. So, uh, you know, the shooter's family and girlfriend saw a good man, a, a mm-hmm. loving man that they cared about and didn't mm-hmm. see this coming and are surprised as everybody. So. It's And again, those terms, the crazy, the evil, again, yeah, it puts that easy box and, well, he's that and I'm not, so that's why I don't have to try to empathize. I don't have to try to dig deeper. I don't have to try to see how, you know, how am I part of a society that raised this man up?
1: Yeah, I don't have to get my hands dirty by, you know, know, diving into the messy shit that's there, part of the human existence and part of the human
2: experience. And, And can you imagine being that girlfriend or part of that family? And, you know, because people are probably asking them, why didn't you see this coming up? Why, why didn't you know this? And, you know, perhaps you couldn't have seen it or known it from, I mean, I don't know, maybe you're into too far of it. I mean, I, I, I can't answer that. But at the same time, there they're absolutely is that as well. And I imagine not just people asking them, but I
0: would be asking that myself for the rest of my days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. You know,
1: Laurie added a couple of things here to the chat that I thought were very fascinating that we do I would love to, you know, bring into the discussion. First of all, about, you know, the the impersonal nature of the of the killings. We're talking about from a half mile away, so they didn't even have to witness or feel the pain of others. And then the, the, you know, the labels that we use, you know, the crazy, the, you know, the lone loaf or whatever labels that we are, again, it's, it helps create the separation and perhaps the white male label pushes a lot more buttons because it opens up a lot more possibilities as well.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: And the, the third article I shared that'll, that'll be on uh, the website is called the real causes of the Las Vegas massacre. Few are willing to accept by Jed Diamond, and mm. Jed is actually a, a, a great um, writer. He's a member of the Real Men Feel private group and Facebook, and I reached out to him to try to have him be here, but he's actually lives in the area in California dealing with wildfires, so God bless you, Jed. Hope everyone, your home mm. and property and family are all safe. Mm. But he, he had this really nice long piece and talking about the anger and the depression in white males, and that's feeding the violence. And he mentions a book that I was not familiar with called behave the biology of humans at our best and worst by a biologist robert sapolsky it talks about all these precise moments to look at events and one is the instant before the deaths you know why did those people die well they died because someone was firing a gun at them all right then you back up weeks or months before the death what was going on what what led to the shooting and and this is where people are the is trying to figure out the motive what what led to this and this is where you know in this instance it's definitely is not just a crazy person that snapped there was a lot of planning. And third, you go months or years before the deaths. And this is where somehow something has happened in this person's life that all this rage has built up. There was, there was experiences of shame and being disrespected, of feeling less than. Less than a man, less than an American, less than a strong person, less than a warrior, less than a human, less than someone that's alive, less than, certainly less than someone who's divine masculine, to use something you said earlier. But and in that less than, you know, then it goes even before that to go to decades before these actions have happened. And I talk about all the the ACEs, new term to me, adverse childhood experiences. And as we've learned more about this particular shooter, there was the, the absent father, the father who was a legendary bank robber on the FBI's most wanted list. So, wow, a lot of trauma you can imagine there. Even if, even if it's nothing more than an absent father, but if your absent father is also a wanted criminal, like, takes toll. Um, and again, it's not to excuse, it's to find reason and cause. That's all I'm bringing it up. So it wasn't that, oh, I'm a 65 year old millionaire, I'm gonna kill people today. No, it's, it's the whole life experiences. And that's where all of us come together, all of us are responsible. If, if it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to make a killer.
2: Hmm. Wow. Yes. Very, ouch. very,
1: very <laughs> powerful point. And yes. Ouch. But you know, I thought that was a really fascinating read as well. I I, I devoured that article because if you think, you know, if you look at it, it, you know, it spells out spells out not only the chronology of the pain, but it even hints at the fact that this could be. Very potentially multi generational as well. Mm. You know, the you know we're talking about the father, but even before the father, how many generations previous to that carried in, that pain and kept passing that pain down to mm. the next generation, the next generation, and and as society, yes, I mean as, we ourselves have this multi generational stuff that's going on all you know every generation seems to want to pass their baggage on to the next generation then that generation collects its own baggage on top of the baggage and Mm. it just keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier
2: and that's why I see the value in what we're doing right here because I think we are releasing some of that out a little bit you know I mean I've always kind of seen this generation the generation coming up next as one that is releasing all that pent-up energy from past uh societies where they they couldn't express themselves and now look how openly we're able to express ourselves with each other so yes. that's why I see the value of what we're doing right here in this moment
0: yeah Let's for generations things have been swept under the rug mm. and and it takes effort to lift up that rug and be willing to see what's there and take it mm. apart but but mm. that's the only way that healing can happen mm.
1: i will say this very emphatically that the millennials really are getting it right Criticize them for how you want. And yeah, there's a lot of like me, me, me and everything else. But that's been said of every single generation prior to the millennials as well. The fact they are, but they are getting it right. They are letting go of the baggage. They're not collecting their own and they're saying no to the past generations and saying, no, that's your baggage. Mm. I'm not going to carry it for you. So hats off, hats off. And... I'm also, I think it's really important that we not only have this discussion, but no, I, I love what you mentioned, Pete. Let's also celebrate the good that's coming from this discussion. Hmm.
0: And that's even the good in the event. Yes. Natural yes. disasters, which we've had plenty of in the past year as well. Um, hmm. Man-made disasters, natural disasters, it brings out the best in people. And and that's part of why I, you know, I don't see it as evil. And if you can step back and I almost see it part of a divine plan that, all right, you know, some, some poor soul has volunteered to be tortured until he's so full of rage and he's going to strike out at innocent, anonymous people so that even more anonymous people can come together mm-hmm. in support, in love, in healing, in being heroic, in being rescuers, in uh, caring for each other, making new connections. And, you know, I get that. If you're personally involved in that, this sounds like, Freaking nonsense and bullshit and a lot of woo woo, but um, I, that's how I choose to see things and it's not how I always felt for sure. But mm-hmm. as you know, that's what's right for me in this moment. Yeah.
2: Mm. And, and, you know, we are also, we have to realize that we are also in a, in a different age that we've only been really entered into and in probably maybe like the last 15, 20, 30 years where things like this are known instantaneously. Not only that, but if you think about like men that went off to war in Second World War and then came back from the European theater, you know, it took them months to return. Or, um, you know, so there there was like this time lag uh, where where some healing probably could take place or at least some type of, of, um, uh, maybe not healing, but some type of being able to uh, uh, assimilate yourself back into society. But now we're expected to Uh, experience something like that. And we're all experiencing it simultaneously and then, and then go right out and, you know, do our jobs or to, you know, smile at the next person or open the door for the next person. And it's, it's, it's been kind of interesting to me, you know, with all that's been going on with the, with the Charlottesville uh, incident and black lives matter and all this that has been going on. I've really noticed, I don't know if it's really happening more if I'm just noticing how kind people are being to each other total strangers opening the door for others and not depending on what what color of your skin is or anything like that. So I don't know if – has anybody else noticed that recently? Something's just been coming to me.
1: I think what's happening is that there's a shift away from the focus on the negativity and there's a shift back toward the natural state of, of our human existence. Because if you really look, whether it is in the Bible or other past literature or whatever, We've always, all societies have always been open and generous with each other. But you know, the thing about whether it is, you know, even before the 24 hour news cycle, the advent uh, of you know, newspapers and television and radio and everything else, they always focused, you know, they're always looking at you know, the more unsavory aspects of human nature because they are outliers. And uh, if you're constantly beating that drum over and over and over again, especially with the 24-hour news cycle, it makes it seem like it's the norm. And so, of course, we tend to go into the spiral because that's where our focus is. But Mm. if you can tune yourself out, tune that off and, you know, I'd love to see all all of the twenty four hour news channels go out of business because I can't sell advertising because none of us are watching them anymore. That would be freaking awesome.
2: Yeah, um, <laughs> but, yeah and I saw a study here recently that <laughs> saying we're actually living in the safest time. Yeah, of any record of of our recorded history that we know of, it's actually the safest time for people as a whole.
0: Yeah. Yes. I've yeah, seen that too. So right, it is. Yeah. But when and and that's you know people that are afraid to to fly on planes because. When one plane crashes, it becomes big news because it's rare. <laughs> um, and even yeah. this rarity, you know, it's not as rare as it used to be, this, these mass shootings and un- unexplicable violence and just regular citizens kind of running amok. Um, it's happening more often. But, yeah, I've seen those sort of things too. In the, in the global scape, that uh, there's actually fewer wars and fewer people being killed by each other than, than um, any time in history. So yeah. again, it's the dichotomy. But yeah, there's not a 24 hour news channel about, you know, there's not the Life is Good network where you just, Exactly. I mean, where's it's, the it's, network?
1: It's, it's, it's boring because it's it's what we experience every single day. I mean, even, I'll <laughs> just say it, even somebody like Donald Trump has his good aspects. Even though you don't see it displayed that often, but still, he has his good aspects.
0: <laughs> no, and, everyone, and, that, and that's another challenge, too. Like,. I, I, To humanize a mass murderer, to humanize a politician you don't agree with, to humanize, you know, again, it's easy to say, oh, they're crazy, they're a lunatic, but to humanize them, humanizes ourselves and brings that connection and can help the person that you think, you know, just can't agree, you can't deal with it. Like, well, if you're, if you're open, they might be able to open as well too. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it it does feel like, so I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but for me, the, the kind of the summary feels like, It's not just a simple gun issue. It's not just a they're crazy, they're evil issue. Um, But the the root is, it's isolationism, it's loneliness, and and that's why it seems to be, it's definitely more males and it seems to be more white males um, because ah, men are not encouraged to feel. They're not Mm. encouraged to share. So that that feels like the big thing to me. And I'd like, so on that, if... (laughs) Share your own summation, but if you think that the isolation is is a big issue, what, what's one way you could share? How could you advise
2: men to not feel isolated? Pete, hey, you go first. Hmm, I don't feel, you know, it's, it's, I so want Michael Jackson's man in the mirror to be playing right now as I'm talking, you know. <laughs> so I was thinking the whole time Andy was, was speaking. You know, I um, I know for me it's the the – culmination of it was for, to me, to really meet that dark night of the soul, you know, to really meet those fear points, you know, because we, we all, you know, we all can't, we all, I think we all come to those points in time where we do feel that disassociation, really that, that anger really at ourselves. And it's, what do you, you have that decision point. There's that, there's that decision point for everybody of what do I do with that energy and how do I, how do I move forward? And I'm just going to speak for me personally. It's been, my spiritual walk, not my religious walk, but my spiritual walk that has absolutely changed my life and the world for me. And really, it's made me feel uh, uh, very much as being one of the wholeness of it all. And, you know, being able to get into that whole, fa- and I know I'm getting very woohoo here, but getting into the fabric of all that is and seeing how interconnected it all is. So, um, I mean, I know it's all I can speak of is my own personal experience, and like I say, it, it, there are decision points, and to be very, very careful with those decision points because it's a, it's a fork in the road, and and you know, with our egoic structure, like, like Appio said, we don't want to be wrong. So sometimes, if we make a wrong, well, I don't want to say there's any right or wrong, but if we, if we make a decision that takes us down a road that might lead to violence, we don't like to turn around, we don't like to change our direction. So be very careful. You know, at a lot of those decision points of, of which way you go. And I'm just going to say that, you know, love is the one that's going to win. For me, I think it's important to also point out a couple of things. First of all,
1: when you talk about, you know, the, the male energies, you know, and whether it's divine human or ugly human or whatever, is to let go of the labels. And to recognize, you know, there's been so much vilification of men, by men, by women, by everybody. And we need to stop the vilification, whether regardless of whatever behaviors are, are being discussed, whatever behaviors that may have not served us, to let go of that vilification. Second, we need to also recognize that it's not just the white man that is in pain all men are in pain. Mm. And white men, t- we tend to focus on the white men because they have greater access to those weapons. Whether we want to recognize it or not, it's easier for a white man to get weapons as opposed to Hispanic man or black man or Arab man or whatever. So that's part of the issue as well. But if we, ne- if we can recognize that all men are in pain, all men have been vilified, And even during our conversation, we have used certain tropes, we've we've used certain labels in order to emphasize certain points. But now that we've done so, we've done so in the spirit of being able to release it and to recognize that we are, regardless of our gender, regardless of our culture, regardless of our skin color, regardless of anything at all, the only label that truly applies is human and we can recognize it and we can just let go of all things and let go of whether it's the need to be right it is the need to to for a story or whatever and we can recognize that whatever's happening in this moment is right in this moment And I think that we can in fact move forward We are, moving forward we it may not seem like it but we are collectively moving and wherever it is that we're going to end up collectively is going to be the right place
0: beautiful ah and i would just like to share one concrete tip for people that don't have it yet but men to to feel connected to break the isolation to not put yourself at risk for becoming a mass murderer (laughs) <laughs> I uh, cannot recommend the Mankind Project enough. Um, they have weekends to, to dig deep with other men. They have uh, weekly, monthly groups to, to go to. Uh, find a men's group, you know, find something in a, in a church, but um, climb out of your basement of isolation and pain and anger and depression. And uh, I, I say that as someone that spent plenty of time in the basement of pain, anger, depression, and life is better out of it. And you don't get out of it by freaking killing yourself or anyone else. Yeah.
1: Cool. Amen, brother.
0: All right. Um, thanks, Pete. Thanks, Apio. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Boyson, who was here earlier. Um, if you are listening, add a comment. We th- This topic is big enough to visit many times. I'd love to have anyone come on with, with differing views. With uh, um, Yeah, I'd love some differing views. Come on and. If you think we're all a bunch of handsy unicorn riding freaks, that's fine. Come and share that viewpoint with us.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. I farted a couple of rainbows there a couple of times. Sorry. (laughs)
0: Cool. Um, So thanks for joining us. Uh, Visit realmanfield.org. All the articles that we were talking about will be shared there on the blog. Check us on Facebook, send us feedback, comments, be part of a future show, suggest a future topic. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Apio. Thank you, Pete.
2: Thank you, Lori Thank, Thank you. See you guys later. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org, join the Real Men Feel group on Facebook, and share what you thought of this show. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com
2: and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.